Welcome to episode 106 on the Herpreneur Show. Today we have Barrister and the CEO of a mediation, Laura Keeley. Welcome to the Herpreneur Show, where we talk women, business, life. I am your host, Annette Lakovich. I'm an entrepreneur, businesswoman, mum, and I'm a fitness fanatic who loves to dance. What I also love to do is help you reach your fullest potential in business, health, and happiness. Join me as I bring you life-changing interviews, world-class education that helps you continue to up-level your next stage in greatness. It's your time to shine. Let's do it. My goodness, if you have an idea about being left of field and wanting to put something out there in your industry, in your business, perhaps it's going to be a disruptive type of thing to an archaic way of thinking, today's the interview for you. Today we have Laura Keeley, who is the founder and CEO of A Mediation and also a barrister. It's definitely a first for the Herpreneur Show to have a barrister online with us. And when you hear about how she disrupted an old-fashioned system, there was an idea that was starting to bubble up and by a serendipity moment that really created a brand new way for her to move forward. I'm not going to give too much of the story away. All I'll say is two years later, only months after she launched, COVID hit. Just to give you an idea, the mediation is about taking the courtroom online so you can imagine goodness, what happened when COVID hit to her business. We go into that. It's a phenomenal story. Before we move on to Lara Keeley's interview, I do want to do one quick shout out to Emma Sutherland, one who's left me a review on Apple iTunes. Thank you so much. She writes highly relevant information with five stars. Thank you. She goes on to say, and it shares such irrelevant information. She's engaging, fun, always finds pearls of wisdom for the listeners. I get so inspired by listening to this podcast. If I read out your review or heck, when you actually even just write a review, please let us know because we want to thank you for supporting the show by sending you a Herpreneur pen. It means the world to us actually supporting the show, writing your reviews. And you know what? The pen is gorgeous. It's a Shirovsky crystal pen. So yes, might be a bit of a bribery there, but no, it truly comes from the heart just saying big, big thank you. There's a small team of us that runs this show to get it to you every week. So when you do support it, we just want to say a big thank you back. Talking about supporting the show, this show is brought to you by Convert Club. That's mine and my husband's business because we do this for free. So I need to earn money some other way. (laughs) The Convert Club helps you convert a lead to a sale. So if you find in your business, you are struggling with people DMing you and ghosting you after you try to return a message or they're continually asking for price, but you need to build value. That's what Convert Club does. We help you craft your perfect sales process in your words. So it's non-pushy. It's totally authentic and with high integrity. If you want to find out more, just reach out to me. Let's move on to a very interesting story about improving our justice system with Laura Keeley. Welcome, ladies. You may have heard the words lawyer, solicitor, barrister and attorney many times before to explain anything about the legal profession. But you probably haven't experienced much yourself unless you're in a lot of legal procedures yourself. You've probably just heard it more on Netflix, on TV shows. So today we have Laura Keeley, who is a barrister and also the CEO and the founder of A Mediation. Thank you so much. It's really great to be here. Now, Laura, before we go into your story and about how you've disrupted 
a completely different way of doing things when it comes to law and law procedures. I would love to just give get everyone to have a bit of a snapshot of what a mediation is so they know what we're talking about when we start to go deeper into the rabbit hole. I guess the fastest way to explain it is like Zoom for lawyers. So what I actually created is a platform where virtual courtrooms and virtual legal proceedings like mediation can happen mm-hmm. and that lawyers, judges, barristers have all of the tools they need to take what they do offline into the online world, Mm. Um, as well as that actually providing alternative pathways for individuals and businesses to resolve disputes more amicably without going through a really arduous court process. So it's trying to uh, improve access to justice for people, both by helping lawyers transition to the new world, the post-COVID world, mm-hmm. and also giving alternative ways for people to get out of a pickle that they might be in without emptying their wallets and, you know, destroying their life in the process. Oh, wow. And you do hear that a lot when people are going through divorces and they're going through separations and they're going through when a business has gone wrong in partnership. Can you share with us, and this is probably more of a selfish question as well, <laughs> what's the difference between a barrister and a lawyer, what is the difference here? Or a solicitor, what are the differences? Okay, so barristers and solicitors are all lawyers. Lawyer is the generic term like doctor and the way of thinking of it is a solicitor is more like a GP and a barrister is a bit like a specialist. Uh-huh. So the solicitors brief the barristers to do work inside court. Mm-hmm. So our specialty is advocating inside a courtroom which is why I guess for me producing a virtual court is something that I can do. Yeah. Um, we're also specialists in particular areas of law. So a solicitor might be a specialist too, but if they want an uber specialist in a particular field, they go to the barristers to get that extra oomph. So let's dive into disruption. <laughs> Okay. Because <laughs> you just said barristers Big are known to be, go into court. What the heck has happened for you to go, right, let's do this virtual? And I tell you what, now you'd be like the lifesaver of the past 12 months. But rewind back because that would have taken a big set of kahunas to actually go and create something <laughs> so different. What happened back then for you to feel like you wanted to create this? What was going on? Well, what was going on? I think there's a little bit of my story in history that's actually relevant here. Mm -hmm. And that is that I was a a corporate lawyer doing transactional work. And by that, I mean buying and selling businesses and making stuff happen in a very positive way. And then it was quite late in my 30s, I decided to go and become someone who fights court battles. And so that journey in itself was quite unusual, but I came with a very different mindset. So I came with a mindset of trying to get to win-win situations for people into an environment where it was often lose-lose. And so that's what happened was I was, I had all these clients. I'm like, this is a terrible system. Why is everybody losing? Even if they're the winner, both sides have spent so much money that it's really um, unpalatable. And there needs to be a different way for people 
to get through this. That's not the current way. Mm. That was what was happening. And I had already had my, what I thought was my final career change. So it wasn't, it was sort of an accident, to be honest. It was more the problem calling me. And I thought, I just can't, I just feel like I can't leave this alone. Because if I don't try to do something, who's going to do it? So it was more just the part of me that believes in social equality and justice going, this is really unfair. Wow. It just doesn't seem right. So that that was why. So what were the first steps to even get the ball rolling? Were you feeling it out with other barristers? The very the, the birthing stage, not even the startup phase, what was the birthing stage like? It was almost like the pregnancy phase. <laughs> the pregnancy phase was me having this idea and having a client who happened at the time to be an app developer and he said to me one day, we're walking back from court, he said, you should build an app. And I'm like, what do you mean? I don't know anything about technology. And that was when I thought, oh, maybe I do know something about technology because I've had this germination of an idea in my mind about there's got to be a better way to do this. And so that was when I started thinking about a platform to deliver justice alternatives that could be different. And bear in mind, nobody was talking about technology at that point, which is four years ago, and certainly not online courts. And so I didn't tell any barristers. I didn't tell anyone other than my accountant who told me I was nuts. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And so did you, did, did, did the idea sort of come as a whisper and then you walk him back from one of the courtrooms with this guy that also is an app developer and then that sort of triggered like, actually, I did have this idea under my belt. Is that sort of? Yeah. Yeah, wow. And then, I, and then I scoped it out with him. I said, what if I built this? I've got this idea and then he gave me a price and then what happened was I was actually at a bar conference where all the junior barristers got together with judges and the judges kind of impart their wisdom. And one of the very senior judges on the high court, Michelle Gordon, said, you know, I really want to encourage you to be involved in the building of technology and things like that because I'd love to be able to do that. And I thought, wow, you're actually at the pinnacle and I and you're talking about wanting to be younger to be able to do this stuff. I really need to do this. And that's when I wow. ended up doing it. But I'd also been offered investment. So what happened was when I was talking to my financial planner, he offered me investment and it kind of went from there. So it felt like a call and response actually. Like I don't know if I believe in the universe or whatever, but some, something saying I think that there's something here that you could do. Yeah. And then the pieces just fell into place and I thought, well, I'm really terrified, but I'm just going to do it anyway. Yeah. It's the scared but exciting and, yeah, when you feel that calling, whatever that is like you're saying, whatever it is that's pointing that compass there, yeah. So what were the steps then in launching it and did you cop any flack being able to create justice online? Like what were some of the roadblocks you were hitting when you were really launching it and putting it out there? I mean, I think at the beginning I was absolutely terrified that – that I would sort of be perceived as an outcast <laughs> um, in this community, which is really quite conservative. And I think in some quarters I probably was because when we launched it, uh, we, you know, it was sort of unheard of. And uh, the thing that happened was quite quickly, we very senior members of the profession signed up to be part of our broader panel. So we have a panel of people who help resolve disputes for people. And some former judges, very significant judges and lawyers who have a lot of weight in the market said, we think that you're onto something here and we want to be part of it. I think any doubters, if there were any, probably thought, well, okay, so maybe it's a little bit left of centre, but maybe there's a market need here. Mm. And so we should maybe just let the market do what the market needs to do. 
And then, you know, as we transitioned into COVID, everyone said to me, oh, you know, you're so prescient because you could see this coming. And I, I thought, well, actually, I, I could see it coming that everything would be virtual. I didn't think it would be quite as quick, but I knew mm. that within maybe a decade that this would happen. It was just a question of what was the pathway for the market to recognise it had to happen. Yeah. And then I just happened to thankfully be ahead of the curve. Yeah. The process was obviously really hard because I had to fund it and I didn't have any money because I'd just left my nice job in a law firm to mm. become a barrister who is, you know, barristers are sole traders. So I had to fund it and raise the money and get a team of people who were really the original shareholders to help, you know, and we all donated our time and I had to really drive this as well as my practice. So that was, you know, the early phases was just trying to make it all happen um, on a shoestring and gradually go through a process of validation and, you know, market um, market response and then and then proper funding. So that process, the the birthing, I guess, took a couple of years. Wow. What was the change when COVID came in last year? What was what was suddenly were you starting to see or feel or just think, oh my gosh, like what actually happened to you back then? It was it was sort of a very bizarre situation because we were supposed to go to Hong Kong at the beginning to talk to some people up there about it. And then my fellow executive director sent me a text saying, I don't think we're going to be able to go because of this COVID thing. I thought, really? That's just so far beyond my frame of reference that we wouldn't be able to travel. And then it was like an avalanche because all of a sudden we had this platform and a product that was suddenly something that was in demand. And then of course, because the usage spiked enormously yeah, from our launch in September, 2019 to court saying, can you start with us on Monday? Then we had a lot of bugs come out and so you launched it September? September 2019. And was it February, March? When was it when COVID? February, March, yeah. Oh. So we were in the process of market development, of getting a few matters. We had a few, we're talking a few and then talking to industry about how they could adopt it. And then it was like a bowling ball knocked out all 10 pins because we we stopped talking about why online is important for the environment and efficiency and helping people to Online is just accepted Mm, and then it's just how and why and what you do. Mm. So it was literally like an avalanche. I worked seven days a week for months and months and months mm. just to get it off the ground because I thought this is this is the business's chance. Yeah. And, and one thing that you've actually written here, which was um, when it comes to being a tech founder, there is no off switch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on and that though. I just... Even just to know that you've just launched it, there's going to be little glitches along the way and to have this, you know, ramping just volume, I couldn't mm. imagine the stress that you would have had to endure. And as your and your team, it's just, um, yeah, was there anything that was just a nightmare moment for you? Or yeah? There were a few. I mean, the, the very first contract we had, there were 1,000 lawyers from around the world coming onto the platform in five days uh, for the first time. Yeah. So no one had ever delivered anything like that before. Um, it was a competition for lawyers globally and um, – we, we had done a precursor to it, which was the very, very first, and then, and then there was this competition and it was really hard because we had people in China and Russia and all of that in the middle of the night coming on and all sorts of things went wrong just because 
even though we tested it, the volume hadn't been there. You, you can't possibly emulate 500 people trying to log on at once. Yeah. yeah. But we got through it all. I mean, we, yeah. the thing is every time there was a bug or an issue, I just, you know, we worked really hard with the engineers who were so dedicated to resolve it and they always did. Mm. Um, so some of the nightmare moments were waking up in the middle of the night because our engineering team are partly based in Los Angeles. I'd wake up at 3 a.m. and think, I don't know if they fixed that thing. I'm just going to jump online <laughs> and give them a call. And usually they'd say, hey, go on. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah, we solved it. And I'd be like, thank God. <laughs> thank God. <laughs> because we would not, they wouldn't, I mean, these, having a web-based video conference platform is extremely difficult technically. And so there were, it was on an engineering frontier. So I wouldn't know when I'd go to bed whether they'd be able to find an answer. But they always did. They always did. And now we have stability and uh, resilience and it's amazing. I have the most amazing engineers. They are so dedicated and I'm very fortunate to have such a great group of guys. They are all guys. We're looking desperately for some women. Um, but, they, yeah, they're fabulous. I love them. Yeah. What do you think if you were to educate some women, they're online now and they're listening and they've got this idea or they're really thinking about doing something different in their marketplace and it is they might not even see it as disruption but they just think it's needed. What are some of the things that you feel called to actually say to them to advise them to do or to not think about or to think about? What would for just from your own experience? I think you do really have to think about whether or not you want to commit to it because the commitment is beyond reason and rational thinking. And I think there's uh, the CEO of Culture Amp says the same thing or a similar thing, which is you have to go beyond the point where it would be logical to stop. <laughs> and and you have to do that over and over again. I mean, there are so many times I wanted to stop and I just thought I can't because I've got investors' money. I have to I have to go to breaking point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that, that it's that drive to push through breaking point that that makes it successful. But going through that... I liken it to going through the atmosphere in a rocket. You, it, it is like going through hell. Mm. So if you don't think that for whatever reason, family, career, uh, that you can tough it out, then, you know, you've got to really think carefully about that because once you take on investors' money. Yeah, you're holding your feet to the fire. That's- you, yeah. Mm. And, and so I would really question whether or not you think that you, you really want to commit to it. But if you do... Yeah. You just got to go for it. Yeah, and it's head down, up, and it's you know working twenty four seven to make it happen. And I, I've said this once before in an interview. It's sometimes the naivety of not knowing what you're getting yourself into is a blessing. <laughs> because yeah. if you do oh, know, that's when you think, oh gosh, maybe I wouldn't have done it. One of my mentors, who's our chief product officer. Uh, Martin Wells, who is a serial entrepreneur, said to me, you had the right amount of naivety that you didn't know yeah, yeah. what it was that you were going to go through. Yeah. And that combined with tenacity is really critical because if you knew, you wouldn't probably do it again. Until you get to this point, you go, wow, that was amazing. I get to talk to people in Boston and New York and Hong Kong and, you know, I'm making a difference. But there's also a lot of moments just sitting at your desk at 3 a.m. on your own. Yeah. 
talking to engineers on the other side of the world and thinking, I don't know how I'm, I don't actually know what to do anymore. It's, and, you know, crying to your mum on the phone going, I can't do it. And her going, this is awful. I don't know how, what to say to you. And that, that is just the lived reality of most. Yes. Yeah. At the time. It's the, it's and, the huge roller coaster, right? It's because, and if you think, um, and I don't know about yourself, Laura, but there's a lot of women that are still trying to run the home and be their CEO at home and they're being the CEO in their business. And, you know, we're taking on more than what women have ever taken on ever <laughs> in history. And we're able to do it, though there is a lot of burnout that happens. And I mentioned this before in our pre-chat. Um, you know, it's, it's how do we manage that where we can have this incredible empire but not fizzle out like a, you know, a burnt-out piece of toast by the end of it and there's just <laughs> left of us. <laughs> I, got, I, did, I am very lucky in that my husband is, he runs the, the house and he does, he looks after the children. I and come that, in for but that being disrupted these days. Thank well. goodness I, for that. And we've been doing that for a long time. And, but at the beginning when he was the only dad at parents group, it was a bit, or that, there was actually one other, but that was kind of cool and disruptive in and of itself. But I would really struggle without that because I, I've already got two full-time jobs. So I don't think I could manage mm. um, that there. I do have friends who are and all power to them. Uh, but after that, I mentioned that I worked seven days a week for months and months. I think I did 50 days in a row before Easter and at that point I thought, that's it, I'm having one day a week off. I have to have one day a week, even if I do thinking where I don't work for the whole day because I did get to the point where I thought I can't yeah. function anymore. And the other thing is to schedule exercise as though it's a meeting and I prioritise that. I might actually jump straight from the gym into a call but I make sure that I go because if I didn't go I would – I wouldn't be able to function, so I have to do it. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, well, if you think about this, we've got two different women on online normally. We've got the women in the startup phase. They've got the idea. They might be in that birth phase or they're, they're actually in startup mode. They might be, you know, pushing just to get some revenue into their business. And then we get a lot of listeners because they want to learn from women like yourself, which is you have conquered something and you're going, you're, you're playing full out and you are a high-achieving female and they're going for it too and they just love to surround themselves with other, you know, knowledge from other women. So if you would have a piece of advice to each of them, what comes to you to mind right now? Let's just say for a woman, she's in the startup, she's just starting to get revenue in the business and a piece of advice for the woman that's ready to up level again. It's really hard because I just want to hear what they have to say. <laughs> I don't, what would I don't, you even I don't, say to yourself? Like if, if you were to I, repeat that now, what would be something that you'd say maybe to? I, I think the main thing is that you, you actually do have the answers. You have the skills that you need. Even though, and I think women are very guilty of this sometimes, all of the self-doubt, and even using the word guilty means that I'm buying into that whole narrative. But we have self-doubt as women and we're bombarded with messages that we, we're not good enough or we're not the same as men or how are we leaders. Actually, I think the women that get to this position, they have the skills that they need. And so just remind yourself that you you either know what to do or you have the skills to find out what you need to know and to just keep pushing through because I often feel that, you know, that, that question, do I know? And then the answer is, yes, I do. Yeah. I do. 
And if not, someone comes along and says, hey, you should build an app. (laughs) (laughs) Someone just comes along coincidentally. (laughs) And, And yeah. That that was my story of 2020 was like moments of going, I don't know if I know how to do this. And then ultimately I decided actually – you know what, girl, you do bloody know. Mm. And you're not going to have anyone anyone telling you that you don't know. Love that. Um, And so that was quite empowering because you, as I think as women in particular, you go through phases of often men, sometimes women, but they, you know, they tell you that you're lacking in whatever respect and, mm. you know, it's, then we beat ourselves up mm. and I think you've just got to just go, nah, <laughs> yeah. this is my business, I know what to do and, I, I am the source of truth and I'm going to carry on. Mm. And I think if you, like you're saying, if you just take a moment just to say, actually, I do know and allow that message to come through, allow, like sit in the higher higher self, sit in your positive self because that's when you think of stuff. It's not when you think of stuff when you're down on yourself. So I really love that. Thank you. Yeah. Piece of advice for the woman. She's going for it. Like she's ready to up level. She might be disrupting. She might be just ready just to just expand her wings even more um what would you say something to her just to really help her keep going or does she need to slow down (laughs) one of the things I've got another mentor who's working with me at the moment he actually said to me the other day because I tend to lead I think by just you know coming out of the trenches and doing the work and and um and actually just getting in there and literally just going for it hammer and tong and he said actually you need to get to the top of the hill with the maps and lead your team from the top and kind of get out of the weeds so it's sort of that transition from and I'm trying to do it myself Ah. from doing everything doing everything uh from the admin to the managing to the strategy and trying to find people to backfill that load so that you can take it to the next stage because I think we're all guilt you know guilty I use that again Mm. buying into the narrative of of trying to do everything as women it's like there's a problem in the business I'm going to try to fix it actually maybe I don't need to yeah maybe I need to delegate that to someone else and I go further up the up the tree yeah and (laughs) And I I do actually I love that you've said that no one's ever said that on the show before because when you hand that role or that opportunity or the task or whatever it is at hand to the next person that might not even have all the skills that you have or the knowledge that you have, but they don't want to stuff up either. Like, No, that's right. They will do their best. It might take them a little bit longer, but I, I know what you're saying where it's like sometimes if we feel like it's just easy just to do something ourselves or it's faster we get it done proper, but to allow that team to really help grow so then we can, you know, really lead from the front, it does allow that room to breathe. So um, that's absolutely great piece yeah. of advice. Thank you so much. Well, Laura, I would love to know what do you do because you've been through a major time where burnout would have been definitely on that plate where the adrenals were probably (laughs) going 100 miles an hour. Um, What is something that you do now, and you did mention the gym before, something that you find when you do do it it's the one thing like it puts you in that happy place or it puts you back into alignment. It just sit, settles you back in and, and feeling like the happiest version of you. What would you say it would be? I think there is something about spending time with your kids and I do do that. Um, but in terms of me, uh, with the gym I do weightlifting and that's just so hard that I actually forget about myself because I'm just trying to lift the bloody weights. Uh, but... <laughs> 
that that takes you to a happy a happy place after, but not in the moment. The thing I love the most is singing, and that's why I put in my photo uh, singing with one of my best friends. But I've just recently this year gone. This is the year I'm going back to singing. I'm going back to my singing teacher and going back to my choir because even though I'm crazy busy, I feel like I'm at the point where I need to reclaim that time for me. Mm. And even though it's only an hour and a half or whatever it is a week, it's something that is I can't do mindless mindless kind of stuff. I have to do something active, intellectual, but it's it's an exercise that is so joyful and there's nothing competitive about it. It's just yeah, something that locks into um that artistic part of my personality that I really love it. And you know what? For me, I love like music has to be a part of my life. Has to be. And I find for me, I dance three nights a week. And some of my classes start at eight o'clock and nine o'clock at night. They start really late, but I still go because I know as soon as I go, it's the connection with music, it's the connection with the body, it's learning a routine. And I get it with the singing side of it as well because. It's in a different space in your head that you've been using all day. Like, you know, we're it is. running the business and doing tasks and doing systems. We're liking more of a, a masculine energy of our own. But I feel like with music, it just puts me straight back into just this beautiful feeling. So I so get that. Um, that's, that's just amazing. And I will say this, though. I love to lift weights, right? I love it, Laura. <laughs> I love it. I actually, as soon as I do that first if it's the lap pull down, the push up, whatever it is, I actually get this feeling in my body like this is where I'm meant to be. I, oh, yeah. I get the, the feeling empowerment. In, on that very first. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe because I'm a personal trainer years ago, but I just I feel that. It's like my mitochondria just livens up. So it's not till the end. Mine is that first pull down. I'm like, yes, I am here. <laughs> I know what you mean about the empowerment. It's just the pain. My trainer is one of these guys who he just sneaks on extra weight. And I go, was that 40? Oh, sorry, that was 45. (laughs) (laughs) It's It's the trainer. (laughs) um, That's what they're meant to do. (laughs) It is is great to know that as women we can be super strong. Mm. And I can lift weights as heavy as my husband. And, you know, there's there's no shortage of, you know, really strong women around, yeah. really lean and super fit. Yeah, love that. And what a beautiful way to end, end the show. Thank you so much for your time, your genius, your amazing idea that you've brought into this world and that has saved a lot of the law procedures in the last year. Um, something to be really, really proud of and that's no, no small feat that you've what you've gone through. So it's just been an absolute pleasure. Just where's the best way for us to find you, to follow you? Um, where would you like us to learn more about you? Uh, I'm on LinkedIn and our website is at mediation.com, but people should feel free just to reach out on LinkedIn. That'd be great. I'd love to meet your audience. Yeah. Can I ask a question? You've got mediation. What's immediation? What's IM? How did you come up with that name? So the, the idea was that it's immediate and mediation. So, okay. So the idea was that you go through a, an amicable dispute resolution process well in advance of ending up in court. That was the very first iteration of the business. Um, now we've sort of broadened it out to provide technology to courtrooms too. But um, 
the original idea was, like I said before, to try to give people an alternative avenue to resolving things more effectively. Beautiful. I'm so glad I asked that. Thank you so much, Laura Keeley. Thank you. It's been great fun. Thank you. You're listening to The Herpreneur Show. I hope you received the inspirational idea, thought, or message that you're meant to hear today. If you love the show, it means a bunch to me sending me a message on Facebook or on iTunes to rate and review the show and subscribe so you're the first to know when the next show's released. Until then, make sure you do something that fills up your level of happiness, something that lifts your vibration so high that you're the happiest person that you know. I'm out.